0: Well, that was beautiful. I've always um, been a appreciative of music. Not very musical myself, but you know, it, it fills my soul. You know, even if you're not a person that necessarily sings or plays instruments, it still feeds your soul. And um, I think the older I get, the more that connection. And I just want to thank our, our musos and those people. Those young ones who are using those talents and skills to praise God, you know we live in a, a crazy world. we don't know what's around the next corner, but one thing we do know is that we have a God, a God who loves us, a God who's told us how we began, what our roots are, and' has told us that we're here on this earth for a purpose. And ultimately, he's got an eternal place for us where we can be with him forever. This is why we need to put God first. And so today, as we look at this topic of putting God first, I'm going to step on toes a little bit because, you know, as I said earlier, when the word stewardship comes up, you think, oh, this is all about money. And yeah, it is, you know, um, some people think that's what churches are all about. You know, they're just wanting your money. But the reality is the way a church operates is that we rely on people to make the church function. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, how, what is tithes and offerings uh, today? And, and, and what's the difference in tithes and offerings? And, and how, how are they used? Um, but the most challenging things I want us to think about is is how has God challenged you? In what ways are you honoring God with what he's blessed you with? With your possessions. And as always, as I share this, I am talking to myself. You know, I've shared a few times over the last, since August 17th, I know the date when I missed out on my jet ski. (laughs) My wife's hoping I forget about it one day, but... It's not the jet ski. I guess I could go and buy a jet ski. I'm not that poor. But it was the deal. And Pastor Steve helped me work out. He says, you know, you can't always be the person that gets the deal. But, you know, possessions is something that I like. I like getting new things. And and as we think about life, you know, we all have possessions that we like. Whether it's something small, whether it's a watch or a piece of jewelry or some clothing or something bigger like an automobile or a boat or or maybe even a home. That's one of the biggest possessions most people have is your, your home. And um, you know, I know Pastor Lockheed's been trying since he's come here to get his own home and I, I feel for him. He's moved back with his parents because the market's so crazy. <laughs> I'm sure his mom's appreciating that. But you know, it, it it's a tough market. You know, here we are at the beginning of last year thinking oh, everything's gonna crash. And I and I think back, I think. Uh, it all makes sense. Why didn't they think of that, or why didn't I think of this? Because it makes sense if everyone has to stay home and people can't invest their money, really, because the interest rate's not doing any good. What, and they can't travel overseas. Well, obviously, where are they going to put their money? It all makes sense as we look back. It in hindsight, a great thing. But what I want to the, the big question or the big idea today is this: Do you own your possessions? Or do your possessions own you? And I have to say, many times my possessions have owned me. I think back 10 years ago, we had recently moved back to Victoria from Queensland. And, um, you know, I, I, my favorite sport, um, gymnastics is something I grew up doing. I've shared with you that before. But my favorite sport I never got enough of was, was water skiing. I never had a boat. I worked at summer camps for like 11 summers, and I loved it. But even at summer camp, you know, we were getting up at sunrise so we could go out and, and water ski and, and barefoot on the smooth, glassy water and things, but I never could get enough of it. And so, you know, one of my dreams was to have my own boat. And But, you know, I'm not one that's going to go buy a boat, because I'm not going to buy it unless it's a bargain, you know, just like I'm not going to buy a jet ski unless it's, uh, you know, an unbelievable deal. Well, ten years ago, the Aussie dollar, the America had a financial crisis, and the Aussie dollar went up to a dollar five. I think it even reached up to a dollar seven uh, exchange rates. First time it's 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 um, come stronger than uh, the Aussie dollar, stronger than the American dollar since I've lived here for twenty seven years. And so I began thinking, and I began shopping uh, for a boat. America because my my brother-in-law, he had actually shipped out a couple of boats from the States and it wasn't that hard to do. Um, And so eventually I found in California, I found a a Ski Nautique, which was one of the boats we had at at camp and it seemed like a really good deal and I rang up about it and I talked to someone and so I had a friend that I know from when I went to La Sierra there in Southern California to go and have a look at it for me. And so I'd covered all my bases and then I had to go through all the... Um, complexity of trying to find a a shipping company that bring it out and all but ultimately it happened and I'll never forget that day when I went down to the the wharf down in Melbourne when my boat was there and I got to go and pick it up and it was a bit dirty and all after coming over on the ship and all but man you know that that boat I was obsessed with you know it wasn't nothing brand new it was old news but I got a deal on it you know 10,000 American dollars, which was actually less than Australian because our dollar was so strong. I think it cost me 6,000 to ship it out. But um, for, for, for what it was, you know, it was not only a good boat, but I got a good deal on it. And, and, and I got that boat home, and, you know, it was just you polished it up and cleaned it up. I'll never forget the first day I took it out on the lake and. Um, they, they just had flooding here in Queensland and, and Victoria. They had a lot of rain as well. And so there's a lot of lakes around Ballarat where we're living that are very shallow. And often they're too shallow. But when they have rain, they get deep enough that you can actually go out and ski on. And Lake Learmonth was near us. And um, I remember taking the boat out there and, and the thing wouldn't start. And I was all ready to go and tried and tried. And it, it was only... After I got back home that I found out there's a, a, a safety thing that you're supposed to clip to you in case you fall out of the boat and it wasn't pushed in properly. And That's the only thing that was wrong here. I was thinking, my new boat, something's wrong with it. Anyway, next time I went out, it was all right. But, you know, we had a great couple of summers and then that lake dried up because we would be out in the middle of the lake and you'd fall off your skis and, and it'd be only this deep. And um, it has a, had a depth gauge on this boat and I thought, oh, It's broken. But when I fell on my skis and I was touching bottom, I go, oh, this lake is very shallow. But, you know, that, that boat was, was something that possessed, uh, uh, possessed me instead of me possessing it at times. You know, I, I, I like... I was so engrossed in it. it. It was so important to me. And I worried, oh, someone's going to steal it. And I had to, you know, make sure it was locked up and kept protected. And then I was afraid when I'd take it out that, you know, I would damage the prop or something. And, and it really... Um, sometimes controlled me instead of me and controlling it. And I just want to challenge you, you know, what is it in your life that you might be putting first that's possessing you? You know, is it your home? Is it a car? Is it something that you're working towards? And there's nothing wrong with having things. But as we look at Scripture today, we're going to find that, you know, money's something we have to talk about. Um, you know, People are always needing money. You can't function without it. It's a reality of life. And that's why we find in Scripture it's talked about so often. Matter of fact, it's talked about more than any other subject by Jesus himself. Why did he talk about money so much? Well, he knows that's going to be a problem because we so easily can have money and things become our top priority. And God says, hey, I want to be first priority. Now, this is a bit of a, a test for you. This is a, one of my key subjects today. Does anyone know what this word is? Oh, boy, we got some dyslexic people here. You, you, you were too quick on that. But I put that up there because often we get stewardship backwards. Often we think, ah, stewardship's about what I can give to God. How God relies on me to, to give my money, to give my time, and to give this. And really, what we need to acknowledge is that God owns it all. Scripture tells us that. We find in Psalms. Here in Psalm... You just go to the next slide. Mine's not working. Here in Psalm 24, verse 1... David says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all the people belong to him. So everything, including us, belongs to God. So basically, when we are being good stewards, we're looking after what belongs to God. He owns all our possessions. Ultimately, the whole world belongs to him. He owns us. We're his temple, the Bible tells us. And so that's why we need to honor him with our bodies. You know, that's why it's good to be healthy, to eat healthy, to exercise, to look after our bodies because that's good stewardship. And so stewardship's not something that should be we be scared of or avoid. It's something that should challenge us to actually do our best and step up. The problem is with churches that people are always sad, and they talk about death, and they ask for money. You know, this is what a lot of people think church is all about. Now, this is true in some ways. I mean, we do talk about death. Death's part of life. And actually, God says he's got an answer to death through Jesus. And as Christians, you know, Christians, Christ is our focus. Because Christ is the solution to death. For all of us, as much as it's sad to lose someone, God says, hey, death's not an end if you know Jesus. I remember when I first came to Australia some 27 years ago. It was March the 7th, 1994. I arrived from the Hobart airport. And I'll never forget a lovely man named Pastor Cedric Wallace picked me up at the airport. Uh, his lovely wife, Hillary, is here today, a member of our church in um, you know, Cedric was a beautiful man he was out jogging one day and unfortunately his heart failed him and he's no longer with us but I know Hillary's looking forward to seeing him again because death's not the end but I remember him picking me up in his BMW there in Hobart I had two suitcases and I had a mountain bike in a box and that's what I arrived with in Australia and um, you know it was, it was great what, a, what an adventure I didn't even know Tasmania was a real place you know, the Tasmanian devil, that's not a cartoon character. There actually is a Tasmanian. I mean, I was educated. But you know, it was, I'll never forget riding on the road in the, in the back, in, in, in um, Cedric's car on the, on the um, highway there. And just cringing because, you know, we're, we're on the wrong side of the road. You're supposed to drive on the right side. That's the right side, Right. So, you know, those are some of the challenges. But, you know, it was exciting. And, you know, God has blessed. And um, the last time we moved, which is um, over five years ago now, I think it took over two, maybe two and a half shipping containers to hold all our stuff. And I do, you know, this, this service is challenging for me because... I, I, I struggled to part with stuff. My wife will tell you that. I got a shed. A lot of it should just be thrown out. But I don't know why. I, find, I think I struggled so much for so many years with not having much that I value a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't value. I don't know. And I hate waste. And, and it's almost an OCD thing I have that, you know, I'm a bit ridiculous. But God's working on me with that. But, you know, what I need to do is just surrender to him every day and make him First. Because he's the provider of all things. I could lose my house. I could lose my shed. All that junk that's in the shed could burn up. But God can replace it. He can give me better things. But if I lose all that and I don't know God, who's the owner of it all, the provider of it all, then that's a worry. There's one other verse here in Job that tells us everything under heaven belongs to me. This is God speaking. Everything belongs to Him. As we acknowledge this, then we can be people that can really have stewardship the right way, not backwards. There's a story I heard told of a young boy calls um, his mother, quickly, get a Dr. Johnny Swallowed a coin. And um, the wife says, oh, maybe we should call the preacher. Call the preacher what? Because he's great at getting money out of people. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people look at church that way. You know, it's it's all about wanting your money. But listen, this church, we've got a beautiful facility here. And it only happens because the generosity of you, the people that attend, whether you're a member or just a casual tender, by giving your tithes and your offerings. And it blesses us with a place where we can spread the good news, that we can invite friends to, that we can worship, we can develop our skills, we can um, know God, we can find freedom, we can discover purpose, make a difference, fulfill that mission that I shared earlier. This is what it's all about. So who's, who's the master of you? In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them and your thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So again, do your possessions possess you or do you possess your possessions? You know, where is your real treasure? Is the most important thing in your life God? Is He first priority? Because ultimately, you know, life's short. Whether I can lose everything in a fire or I lose my life. That's it. And if I don't know God, the giver of all things including life. Then that's a worry. And so here as it continues, it says... No one can serve two masters, for one will hate and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We live in a world where money is where many people serve. And I'm guilty as anyone of falling into that trap. You know, so easy to think back. Only if, only if I knew the real estate market was going to have a twenty percent increase in a short time. You know, I could have invested in. Yeah, you know, hindsight's a great thing. But listen, we don't know what's around the next corner. Let's be content. You know, content has really been my prayer and probably my word of the year. It's just trying to let Lord help to help me to be content because contentment is not easy. It's human nature. To always be wanting more. God says, hey, I want to reward you. But I want to reward you with treasure. that's not money. It's treasure of relationship. A relationship with Him. A relationship with those that are most important. I mean, we come into this world with what? You know, moms, there was no luggage rack for your baby when they were born. What was there? No. They came with nothing and ultimately, when we go, if we, we lose our lives before Christ comes, you know, there's no, there's no U-Haul trailer to take, take with us. You know, many of the uh, pharaohs of Egypt, you know, they had all these things they were going to take with them, and they put in these pyramids and things, and they got robbed by thieves. They didn't get to take them with them. Money... Should not be our top priority. We cannot let it push God out from being first, putting God first. You know, God wants us to make a decision. He wants us to, and only we can do that. You know, only we can make that decision daily. And this is where I find contentment only comes as I kind of surrender it to God daily and say, God, hey, You know, um, for whatever reason, I might have missed out on this or not have that. But look what I do have. And see, often that's the thing. That's human nature. Instead of looking at what we're blessed with and what we have, we're looking at what someone else has or what we want. And then what you find is when you have what you've looked at for so long, it doesn't satisfy. And that's where... God says what matters, where your treasure is, if you put God first and then put people. So love God, love people. This is what being a Christian is all about. This is all what the Ten Commandments, I like looking at the cross. You know, the cross is that straight part of the cross, our relationship with God, the vertical, our relationship with others. This is what life's all about. Let's keep our priorities straight. In 1 Thessalonians, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. You know, how many of us live holy lives? Well, you know, holy is, is, is perfection being right. Well, who did live a holy life for us? And so it's every day surrendering to Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we can put him first. You know, think about Jesus when he lived on this earth. The church in the time that Jesus was here was not like coming to Gold Coast Central. Okay, When you would come to church, you would come because you did something wrong. And I had to confess it and I would have to bring my best little cute little lammy and sacrifice it. And the priests knew. They knew the people that were coming. And you know, I think this is one of the reasons Jesus was not liked by those priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because they never once... Saw Jesus come to the temple with a lamb because he was the lamb. He never once had to confess a sin. And that was hard for them to accept. Another thing about stewardship I want to bring out as I start to wrap this up is that, you know, God created this world. In six days. And then what did he do? He rested. And it's like this work work rest cycle that he's produced. This seven day week cycle. And it's actually a beautiful thing. It's a heavenly thing. God made the world in six days. And at the end of that he says it is finished. And he was happy. He loved it. What he was made. And so creation... Was complete. There's one other time. That God said it is finished. And that's when Jesus said it on the cross. And this time. Redemption. Was finished. Redemption for you and me. This. Is the beautiful thing. About us living as Christians. That life is so uncertain. Life is, is a worry. Sometimes we struggle financially. Sometimes we don't have what we want. But God says, hey, if you've got me, I'm the giver of all things, including eternal life. You don't need to fear anything. So let's pray God will give us a, a giving heart. Are you a giver or a taker? You know, that's a good question to ask. And still and throughout my life, I've often been a taker. And probably most of us, we think about it, you know, we're pretty good at taking. And we need God to turn us around. As a church, you know, this being mission-focused, what can we do to start giving to our community? We're trying to find ways that we can do more. In Acts, it says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. You know, what a great attitude to have. What a great thing to live our lives as givers. Because it is a blessing to give. And I'm not just talking again about money. It's actually giving us, giving our time. Giving our ears to listen. Giving our eyes to look into the eyes of someone else. And show care and concern and empathy. You know, These are things that God can help us to develop in our lives. That can help us to truly be more like Jesus. Because the reality is if we still had to bring lambs to temples. There would be a lot of lambs coming to the church every week but the true lamb of God has come he shed his blood for you and me and I'm so thankful for that 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 is why I want to be a good steward because what Jesus has done for me Deuteronomy says, you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you have harvested each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship in the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be honored. And so we find this in Scripture, and you know, we find this right back in, in early in Genesis from Abraham and then to Jacob, this, this concept of a tenth. And of course, that's what tithe is, one-tenth. And what God says, hey, I want you to bring to His house a tenth. And so tithing, and, and I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the converted because this, this church is very faithful in tithing. And I just want to thank you for being faithful in your tithing. One thing I want to tell you, though, you know, that tithe money, it goes, it doesn't stay here. We're not a congregational church where we all the money that tithe goes and supports our work around the world. We're part of a worldwide movement And that's a wonderful thing, but sometimes it can make things a bit tough. Now, it's been nice recently. There is a small percentage, I think about 2.5% of our tithe comes back to us. And we've used that to help us with staffing our church, which is a great blessing. But most of that money goes outside. So what do we rely on to to carry all the budgets of our ministries and do all the things we do as a church? Well, that's offerings. Offerings. And um, offerings are important. And we find here in Malachi, this is the classic uh, text that it's it's hard to go past if you're preaching on stewardship. And here in Malachi 3 verse 8 it says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. So God says, hey, it all belongs to me. I just ask for you to give 10% in tithe. That's what tithe is, 10%. And offerings, so he does say, and offerings. Now, offerings isn't prescribed. You know, some people use a, a systematic way of doing their offerings. You know, some are generous and give ten percent, maybe even more. Some maybe only five percent. Some—it's really what you feel God's impressed you to give when it comes to the offerings. Where you're at in life, you know, how's God blessed you? You might find, um, you know, one year you're able to give a lot more in offerings than another year. But you know. It says tithes and offerings. And so I just want to encourage you to be generous because as we read on, it says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out blessings so great you will not have room enough to take it. Put me to the test. Now, this is where I'm going to be a bit careful because this is where you get into the uh, prosperity gospel. You know, you give and you will be blessed. You'll be given more in return. Now, ultimately, I'll say that because ultimately, God's going to give us riches beyond our beliefs because He's given us a place in heaven where we'll be walking on streets of gold. You know, wealth will have no thing. But ultimately, God says, Hey, I will provide your needs and I'll bless you. But you need to show me that you can be a good steward. And so, again, let's not get it backwards. Let's not think that somehow God's favors because I'm giving my tithes and my offerings, that my favors because I'm coming and I'm serving on the guest services team or I'm up here leading in worship or doing this for the church or doing this. Those are all great things, but those don't earn us anything. There's nothing we can do to earn favor with God. That's only because we're doing it Because of what he's already done for us. Let's not get it backwards. And it's human nature to get it backwards. I struggle. I've been preaching for 27 years. And I still struggle. Because most things to get a jet ski or to get a ski boat. I've had to save up my money. I've had to work hard and buy it. God says, hey, I want to give you the greatest thing you could ever have. But you can't do anything to earn it. The only thing you can do is accept Jesus. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful God we have. I'm so thankful that Jesus and the gospel is relevant to each of us in our own situations. And I just want to challenge us as we finish up and as we prepare for next week. As Lockie talks about keeping God first. Okay, so we can say today, oh yeah, I'll put God first. But we've got to keep him there in the ins and outs of life. When things get tough, when the bills are due, when you want something maybe you shouldn't buy, but the credit card's there and you're thinking, oh, I could get it anyway. You know, these are the things that God wants to help us to make wise decisions and be good stewards. And if we keep him first, he'll guide us in that. If you had all the money that you could ever spend, how would your life be? Money can buy you a house, but not a home. It can buy you health care, but not a healthy lifestyle. It can buy you a camera, but not Kodak moments. Money will attract people, but not true friends. You know, we see that in the story of the prodigal son. He had lots of friends when he had money, but where'd they all go when he ran out of money? Money can buy silence, but not stop rumors. It can buy information, but not wisdom. It won't make your family love you. It won't make your children respect you. It won't make people believe you. And it won't make you truly happy. If we have God as number one in our lives, we will see that people will gain respect for us. We will form true friendships. We will gain wisdom daily from experience. Church is ultimately our home of family, brothers and sisters in Christ. We can experience Kodak moments more in the past few few days than in years. And we will be happy with focusing our lives on God and what's really important. So again, the big question today is, you possess your possessions or do your possessions possess you? Let's really think about that. Last verse I want to share with you is in Luke 16. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you'll be hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We read this earlier in Matthew. This is Luke's account of the same sermon on the mount that Jesus gave who's the master of your life is it Jesus are you allowing him to be first and to guide you in your decisions especially your financial decisions are you making wise decisions with the time are you Using that work-rest cycle that he's developed? Are you just so busy? You know, that seems to be the big answer these days. Yeah, How are you going? Oh, I'm busy. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, we're busy. What are we busy doing? Busy doing God's work. That's a great thing, but let's not be so busy that we're not having... Time to really have a deep personal relationship with God and deep personal relationship with people. You know, uh, my, my practical side, the side of that OCD part of me is like, you know, I, I struggle to eat without doing something. And do any of you have this? You know, it's like it's a waste of time. You know, I got to either be reading something or, you know, going through my list of to do's or, you know, because that's a waste of time. You know, but sometimes, you know, we need to just let go and relax. I'm going to close with a story. You may have heard, but it's a beautiful story. and It's about a wealthy man and his son. And they collected all these famous rare arts. They had everything in this collection. Some were the Picassos and the Raphaels and Leonardo da Vinci paintings. Worth a fortune. Well, the Vietnam War broke out and his son got called off to fight his son was very courageous and while he was out fighting in battle and rescuing another soldier he lost his life and the father was notified and he was he was devastated he grieved deeply About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. And a young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. he said, sir, you don't know me. But I'm that soldier that your son gave his life to save. And I I can never repay him. And I, I just can't imagine your grief and how sad you must be. But I've got this for you. And I want to give it to you. He says, I'm no artist. But I just had to capture your son in this painting. And I want to give it to you. The father got that painting, and it just tears came to his eyes because it, it did. In in the face of this painting, it showed his son's gentle and caring heart. And he took this, and it was this prize painting, and he hung it there above the mantle in a key spot in his home. It became his most loved painting. Eventually, this man passed away and um, his estate was to be auctioned off and so of course there was lots of interest because there was so much there, so many valuable paintings and items there And the day of the auction came and they had the auction, the auctioneer the first thing he auctioned off was this painting of the sun and um, there was Lots of people there, and the auctioneer put down the gavel and says, Can I have a bid on this painting? The painting of the sun? Can I hear a hundred, two hundred? No one said anything. Finally he says we need we need a bid on this painting. Can someone bid on this painting and finally, someone up the back, one of the groundsmen from the place says I'll, I'll give $10 do I have 20 do I have 20 no 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 other bids and finally he put his hammer down and says the painting sold $10 to the man in the back and then the most strangest thing happened the auctioneer says the auction's now closed it's over. And everyone got really upset. What do you mean it's over? We're waiting to see the Picassos and the Raphaels and those beautiful paintings we want to bid on. And he says, sorry to tell you, but in the will of the man, the wealthy man, he says, whoever buys the sun gets the lot. You know, that's what Jesus has done for us. He's paid the ultimate price. He just says, hey... Take me and you get everything. Let's not miss the opportunity. I just want to challenge you to put Jesus first and keep him first. And you'll never regret it.